I was young enough to have one of these, probably I think in both in my room and in the hallway outside of my room, one of my, my shows that I watched on TV was The Lone Ranger, which as I was looking at it this week made me realize that by the time I was watching it, The Lone Ranger was a really old show. <laughs> you remember the premise of The Lone Ranger, right? There was the Lone Ranger and his faithful sidekick, Tonto, and in essence, their job was to assist those who had, were being challenged by any number of the different lawless elements in the Old West, right? And you could tell who the good guys were and who the bad guys were simply by looking at them. You didn't need to hear a single word out of their mouth. How did you know who the good guys were? White hats. Right? The Lone Ranger rode silver, a white horse. The bad guys? Dark hats, dark horses, which made a little bit of sense, right? Especially in, in, in the days of black and white television. But, but just simply looking at that contrast between light and dark, you un- were able to understand who the good guys were and who the bad guys were. Right, and, and I'm sure is that if you'd, you'd look at, at television shows and movies throughout the last couple decades, you'd see something similar, right? The good guys in light, the, the bad guys in dark. That contrast between light and darkness is, is one we not only see in, in movies and television shows, but even just infiltrates how we talk, right? We talk about people being enlightened, Or we talk about them having the light of knowledge. We talk about people living in the darkness of ignorance, right? We use that picture of light and darkness, that contrast between light and dark, because it's easy to understand and easy to convey a certain idea, isn't it? It's no wonder then, or no great surprise, that Scripture does the same thing. Right? We heard it both in our first lesson and in our gospel lesson, We heard it a bit in our second lesson talking about the the darkness of sin and unbelief and how Jesus, as the Savior, brings light. Right? There's that contrast that's that's evident in the pages of Scripture that talks about darkness in in the terms of, well, sin, unbelief, judgment, and ultimately, damnation. And it contrasts that with the work of our God and the work of our Savior, which talks about forgiveness and new life, right, and rescue, and ultimately, eternal life, the the salvation of our souls where we spend an eternity with our God. If we were to look back at that Old Testament reading from the prophet Isaiah and understand the picture Isaiah was using there, we would have seen Isaiah talking to the Israelites at a certain point in their history when, when many of them were, were unbelievers. Isaiah had that unenviable job of having to proclaim God's judgment to people who had been rebelling against God for years. In essence, they were living in darkness. And he mentions two tribes by name, right? Naphtali and Zebulun. Those were tribes that were in the far northern end of the, the country of Israel, so up by the Sea of Galilee and a little bit north of that. Because of their position just in, not only in the world, but in in the the land of Israel, they were lands that tended to be overrun at times by by unbelieving people. And as a result, 
Well, the land of Naphtali, the land of Zebulun, oftentimes were leading the charge among the heathen. Because of that rubbing up against those unbelieving nations, they were the children, part of those children of Israel who had rebelled against God and no longer really believed. And so Isaiah described them as living in darkness. And then he makes them this promise, right? In the land of Naphtali, in the land of Zebulun, there where people are living in darkness, a light is going to come. Right? God has Isaiah make this promise to these unbelieving Israelites that soon a light was going to, to break apart that darkness of unbelief because a Savior was going to come. Which is why when we get to our gospel lesson, right, as, at, right after Jesus is baptized, he begins to go out and he's, and he's teaching, he's healing people. Right? He's doing all the things that would tell the people of Israel in Jesus' time, I am the Savior. I'm the one that God has promised. And if you're not sure, look back at those promises God made about the the servant of the Lord who would come and he'd heal people, that the blind would see, the lame would walk. Now look at what I'm doing and you can see I am the Savior. But Matthew gets even more specific, doesn't he? As Jesus is up preaching in the land of, well, where the tribes of Naphtali and Zebulun once lived, the area we would call Galilee. Where there's a mix of unbelieving Gentiles and unbelieving Jews, Jesus is there preaching and teaching, fulfilling Isaiah's words that here in the midst of that darkness of unbelief and sin and judgment, a light comes. The light of of the Savior as he reveals to people God's plan of salvation and how he had come to rescue them from sin and from the darkness of unbelief and bring into their lives the light of his gospel. Right? Matthew sees Jesus preaching and teaching and connects it with that prophecy we heard in our first lesson and says, here, these words as Jesus is preaching and teaching are being fulfilled. Darkness is being driven out by the light of the gospel, by the light of the Savior. You know, as we hear those words, and we understand the context, not only in Jesus' time in which they were proclaimed and fulfilled, but even in Isaiah's time, I think you and I would have to admit that we have a unique relationship with the darkness of sin and unbelief, don't we? Because as children of God, it's a darkness that you and I have been brought out of. When God called us to faith and and, and planted in our hearts a, a faith that trusts in Jesus as our Savior, he drove darkness out of our heart. By nature, God says that that our hearts were darkened by sin and unbelief. It says in 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 the prop by the by the prophet Ezekiel, he describes our hearts as being stone cold, like a a, a stone, being then shattered apart by the, the gospel, and now a living, breathing faith growing in the light. But when we came to faith, that darkness didn't just disappear and go away, did it? Because when you and I became children of God, it's not like all of a sudden all sin also disappeared from our life. That you and I still have a bit of that darkness living in us. We call it our sinful nature. Which means you and I have a not only a history with darkness, but 
a complicated relationship with darkness because there's part of us that wants to live in the light of the gospel, right? That, that faith part of us that trusts in Jesus as our Savior wants to hear and read and, and listen to God's word and wants that to be evident in every aspect of our life, right? We, we strive to live as God's children. We strive to love the Lord our God with all of our heart and soul and mind and body and strength. We seek to love our neighbor as ourself. And at the same time, we struggle with darkness, don't we? We struggle with that sinful nature each and every day that wants nothing to do with the light, but instead wants to continue to rebel against God in everything it does. And my guess is, if you'd start looking around at your life, what you would begin to notice are all those dark corners that that sinful nature likes to live you'd begin to see and all the evidence of that complicated relationship we have with darkness, no matter how much we'd like to get rid of it. Darkness that seems to show up at the most inopportune times, right? Because we've told ourselves that as we deal with our spouse or our kids, we're going to be more patient and we're going to do a better job of listening. Except, of course, after a long day, and suddenly something happens. And instead of dealing with patience and love, what comes out is, is anger and frustration and, and a lack of patience. And things are said that aren't meant and feelings are hurt. And that darkness reveals itself, doesn't it? Or maybe that darkness shows itself in your life as lust claws at our eyes and causes us to look at things either online or in person that we know are, is wrong. We know that, that God doesn't, or that God says is wrong, but that darkness is there. Or perhaps that darkness shows itself, right, when we, we are say, or when we say that we are honest, except, of course, when we see something that we want, or know that if I say the right things, even if they aren't the whole truth, I'll have a better chance of getting it or influencing someone. And just like that, that darkness comes, comes out. It doesn't take long, does it? To see how that darkness lives as part of our life, how that darkness influences and every interaction we have with others, every interaction that goes on in our, our own mind, it doesn't take long to see that as much as we'd like to say that you and I live in the light of the gospel, there are those moments that come all too often that instead of seeing the light of the gospel, what people see is the darkness of sin. And then what comes to mind are the other ways God talks about that darkness. That because of that darkness of sin, what you and I deserve ultimately is a separation from God and his love, a separation from the light of our Savior. What we deserve is eternal death in the darkness of sin and God's judgment. That while you and I would have to admit we have a complicated relationship with darkness, 
it's not one like you'd put on your Facebook status and say, it's complicated. But it's really serious. Because what's hanging in the balance isn't just what other people are going to think and see, but what ultimately hangs in the balance between light and darkness is eternal life and eternal separation from God and his love. When Adam and Eve fell into sin, they plunged the world into that darkness of sin and God's judgment. And the very first thing God tells his people is what? A light is coming. Right? That while you may live in this complicated relationship with, between light and darkness, between your faith and between sin, a light is coming, God told Adam and Eve, that was going to undo the work of sin and the devil. It was going to drive out that darkness forever. It's what Isaiah was talking about, right? As he was talking to both believers and unbelievers in Israel who had a complicated relationship with sin and the darkness of unbelief, as he promised to them that a light was coming. A light who was going to deal with darkness and sin and the devil once for all. It's what Matthew was talking about in our gospel lesson now. As Jesus comes, he's preaching and teaching, and Matthew says, those words that Isaiah talked about, about a light coming to people who were living in darkness, those words are being fulfilled as Jesus is preaching and teaching and doing miracles. Right? A, a Savior who God had promised had come. A Savior who, who with his perfect life would give that perfection to you and I so that we would stand in God's presence, not covered in the darkness of sin and guilt, but instead wearing these gleaming clothes of Christ's perfection. It's what God tells us happens at our baptism, right? That when we are baptized, God not only puts his name on us and says, you are my child, and because of that your sin is forgiven, but he gives us Christ's righteousness. He gives us Christ's perfection so that we, we stand before God literally in the light of our Savior, perfect and holy. Jesus takes that perfect life and he takes it to the cross and he, he, he dies because that's the punishment that the darkness of sin and unbelief demanded. It's what you and I deserved. And he takes the punishment in our place so that he can say, your sin is forgiven. I know that complicated relationship you have with rebellion and darkness and sin, but the whole reason our Savior came was to erase all those complications we might have and tell us simply, I love you. And you're forgiven. He takes us from the darkness of sin and he shines his light in our hearts, claims us as his child, and says, now you will live here in the light of the gospel. And as children of God then, he gives us a special job, doesn't he? We heard it a little bit as Jesus was proclaiming how he was the light of the world in our gospel lesson. The very next things he does is what? He calls Peter and Andrew and James and John, 
right? And, and he reveals to them the light of the gospel, and they leave their nets, and they follow him in order to become fishers of men. As God calls us out of the darkness of unbelief, and he brings us into his heavenly kingdom, and he tells us we're his children, and he instills in our hearts and, and creates in our heart a, a living, breathing faith that trusts in him as our Savior, he says, you now live in the light. Go to people still living in the darkness with your light that you are reflecting from your Savior and, and help them see. Which could probably bring sweaty palms and nervous thoughts to our hearts, huh? Because it's not easy talking to people about Jesus. It's not easy talking to people about sin and the light that Jesus brings. And so perhaps we think, the easy way to perhaps think about it is what Andrew did. We heard it last week. Right? John the Baptist pointed at Jesus, you remember? And he said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And Andrew went to his brother, right? And he gave him this long explanation of who Jesus was and how he had been fulfilling all these Old Testament scriptures. And he gave him proof point after proof point, right? In order to, to help Peter see who Jesus was. No, that's not what Andrew did. Do you remember what he did? He just simply told Peter, come and see. Right? You know people in your life who are living in darkness, who are living in sin, and the judgment that God says, who are living in unbelief. Right? And, and what God has given you is what you treasure in your heart. He's given you this light that helps you see your Savior and the forgiveness that he's won for you. A, a light that brings you ultimately eternal life and God now tells you as his child, go and share that light with those people living in darkness. And as you do that, it, it doesn't have to be complicated. You don't have to memorize a long list of this is what I need to do in order to help people see their Savior. You can simply just say, come with me and see. And if you're even nervous about that, say, I have a great pastor. He would be more than happy to come and visit you. And I'll do that. Right? Because that's what children of God do. They, they serve in the light in this world as lights. Reflecting in a world, reflecting our Savior's light in a world that's been darkened by sin and unbelief. In essence, you and I are these, aren't we? Nightlights. From the moment Adam and Eve fell into sin, our, light, our, our world has been living in the darkness of sin and unbelief. And God called you to be his child. He revealed to your dark heart a, a Savior who forgives your sins and gives you eternal life. And now he says, what I want you to be is a light in that dark world. Showing others your Savior. Go out and be a nightlight. Amen. Our Savior Lutheran Church is located on the south side of Birmingham off Highway 280. We are on Dunnett Valley Road, 
about three quarters of a mile east of Treetop Family Adventure and Sports Blast. Our Sunday services begin at 10.15 with Sunday School and Bible Class at 9 o'clock. We welcome visitors and hope to see you soon. For more information, please visit our website at OurSaviorBirmingham.com. Click on Sermons at the top of the page for a copy of today's service folder. You can also find us online on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.